Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the 2018 Circle of Film Awards mid-year check-in in today's episode. What's this? What's this? It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. What is this? That's right. Uh, today's episode, just about where we are, uh, talking about some good movies, some good performances, good technical aspects, things like that. Uh, I did this last year. I enjoyed it. I think I did it earlier in the year last year, like at the end of July, June. Uh, but as much as the end of June is actually the halfway point of the calendar year, it's not really the halfway point of the awards season uh, because most people don't get to see a lot of awards movies until January and the Oscars aren't until the end of February. So, um, <clears throat> just gonna just gonna make this the end of July and uh, the first of August actually when this episode comes out as the quote-unquote mid-year check-in. So, uh, I'm going to do my best not to give away the ordering of any of the movies or people uh, in any of the categories, as uh, if I can, but just going to run through all the stuff and talk about all the stuff, and that'll be it. Um, We'll start at the quote-unquote bottom. Uh, If you're looking at the Circle of Film Awards 2018 page, the lower bottom category is best scene. Uh, so, without spoiling any of these movies uh, and and the scenes that they that, that they are, uh, the nominees are currently uh, the confrontation scene in the tail, which is the ending scene in the tail. So I won't really go into that, but I I love the energy. And, you know, this is a scene that is wrapping up and, and tying together the entire journey that this movie has gone on. And uh, to that end, it is incredibly powerful, it is inc- incredibly resonant, and uh, Laura Dern is just fantastic in it. Evelyn and the Nail from A Quiet Place. Uh, this is Emily Blunt and her perilous, kind of like a home invasion scene uh, in, in A Quiet Place. Uh, made all the more impossible and difficult by not only um, her being pregnant, as well as uh, a, a pesky nail sticking out uh, on the steps down to the basement that gets in her way. So uh, it's incredibly tense, incredibly uh, dynamic, and anchored by Blunt's incredible performance in that movie. It's it's in, it's very much a harrowing harrowing uh, moment and scene. Jack-Jack versus the raccoon in Incredibles 2. That's all I need to say. I think it's just such an incredible fight scene, like one you wouldn't even expect to be incredible. And uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a really imaginative moment and does far more for, for the movie than you ever expected it to. So... Uh, yeah, Jack-Jack versus the Raccoon. Um, the Killmonger outro uh, from Black Panther. So, Black Panther, having come out in February, pretty much dominated the entire Circle of Film Awards 
for much of the year. And in fact, still really does dominate much of the Circle of Film Awards, to be honest. Um, it still has... Well, it no longer has the most nominations, but it still has seven nominations at the moment, including this one. And uh, the Killmonger outro, the scene with uh, Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman watching the sunset uh, in Wakanda, it's picture perfect. Um, it ties into the story uh, and, and what happened earlier and, and things that Killmonger said earlier. On top of that, it features brilliantly written dialogue uh, and and sort of Killmonger's farewell to not just the movie but the MCU and and he leaves it on such a with such a great note I, I think it, it's just one of the most perfect scenes in that movie uh, which has some fantastic a lot of fantastic scenes in that movie I, I really did love it so much and finally solitary from unsane Unsane uh, feels like it kind of came and went. Uh, not a lot of people went and saw it. I still think they should. I think Claire Foy is brilliant in it. But on top of that, I think there's a scene where she is sort of locked in solitary with uh, a man who comes to feed her. And there's this confrontation scene between them where she yells at him and she you know, teases him and belittles him. And uh, the performance and the writing in that scene, I think, is so fantastic. I think it's it's great. I think... Uh, it, it really makes the movie more than what it is on the surface uh, because you just you get so deep into Claire Foy's character's psyche and and how messed up things are and how frustrating things are and and, and I think she and he he and I, I forget the name of the, the the male actor opposite her but he also gives a fantastic I don't know he he's you know, one of the few moments in the movie where he's kind of on the, his back foot, and uh, he plays it very well, and I, I really enjoy that scene. I think it's fantastic. So those are the current cat nominees for best scene for me. Moving on to best special effects, uh, just to clarify, not just visual effects. These are also this category also includes animation, film editing, and cinematography, to a certain degree. Uh, so the current nominees are American Animals, Annihilation, Hereditary. Incredibles 2, and Ready Player One. Uh, Ready Player One obviously uh, kills it in the visual effects department. Incredibles 2 has impeccable animation. Uh, Hereditary is mostly the film editing and cinematography side of things. Uh, I think uh, despite my lack of absolute love for that movie, uh, it's shot incredibly well. It looks great. Um, you know, it, it is able to instill fear and trauma and and despair in you without jump scares and, and quick edits it's able to just kind of let the movie play out and i think it, it that's a credit to the cinematography and, and the editing annihilation uh mostly the cinematography for annihilation um but as well the visual effects i think look good uh you know it definitely had a smaller budget than ready player one and it still looks fantastic uh it it has you know there's some absolutely beautiful shots of the ocean in this movie um you know the final all everything in the finale with the visual effects i think is really strong uh, so that's why it has its spot here now and finally american animals which is almost entirely the film editing there's really no visual effects or animation in the movie it's pretty much i would say it's like 90 10 film editing to cinematography the editing in this movie is incredible uh 
managing to balance the film itself and the story it's trying to tell with the um, uh, not with the uh, uh, with the documentary style of things and the documentary angle, and that is not easy to do. And American Animals pulls it off spectacularly, uh, better in my opinion than the tale mixing the documentary elements of things, which would take this spot otherwise. But for me, it's American Animals. Best tactile effects, which can be boiled down to roughly costume design, makeup and hairstyling, production design, and sound, editing, or mixing. Uh, and the nominees are currently A Quiet Place, Annihilation, Black Panther, Oceans 8, and Ready Player One. Ready Player One and Annihilation getting nominees in both effects categories. Uh, Ready Player One definitely uh, pulls off the costumes, production design, and sound for me. Uh, you know, despite the fact that most of the virtual reality world uh, elements are not special effects, uh, they are still. But there's still a lot of the movie spent outside of the virtual world and. You know, costume design and special effects can go hand in hand. You know, you have to design the special effect costumes anyway. The sound design in RPO in Ready Player One is great. Uh, it sounds really good. It doesn't sound like a Transformers movie, despite parts of it sort of looking like a Transformers movie. Not in lack of visual effects, but just in in sort of um, mixture of a ton of ton of actiony big things. And uh, production design, like I said, like the outside, I don't know exactly where the visual effects and the production design stops. Production design, lowest on the list for me as far as Red Player One is concerned. But there's some, and it's good. And then an Annihilation, uh, it's mostly production design, I think. Uh, I think the sound in Annihilation is really good, too. Uh, you have that. Um, the bear creature, which I love, um, bear chairs, was one of my favorite scenes uh, of the, is still one of my favorite scenes. It just fell off uh, the list, uh, the category recently, but I still think it's a fantastic scene. And, yeah, I mean, it's not nothing really to write home about costumes or makeup, from a, from a costume or makeup standpoint, but... Um, they're there, and they're not bad. They, they are able to keep pace with the rest of the movie. Um, on top of that, you have A Quiet Place for tactile effects, and I think makeup and hairstyling is great uh, in the movie. Uh, it's very subtle. You don't really get a ton of it, but heads and shoulders, it's the sound. Uh, I mean, I think A, a Quiet Place is, has the best sound of any of the movies on this list, and the production design is nothing to scoff at either. Uh, Black Panther, uh, costumes are top-notch, uh, the makeup and hairstyling is strong, the production design is fantastic as well in Wakanda and outside of Wakanda. The sound is good, it's not stellar, but it's good, but it's mostly the costume designs for Black Panther that really give it um, the spot on this list. Uh, followed up lastly by Ocean's 8, which is also costumes, um, makeup and hairstyling is also a big part of that movie. And um, the production design is strong. It's not the best, but it's strong. You know, it, it's pretty good at pretty much everything. Uh, I think costume and makeup are slightly above average for Ocean's 8, but eh, best tactile effects, not the best year for that so far. 
Moving on, best original score slash soundtrack. Uh, currently nominated, Marco Beltrami for A Quiet Place, uh, Michael Giacchino for Incredibles 2, Ludwig Göransson for Black Panther, Alan Silvestri, did I spell that wrong? Silvestri, Alan. I did. Alan Silvestri, not Silverstri. I will edit that. Uh, for Ready Player One. And Colin Stetson for Hereditary. Uh, a Quiet Place and Hereditary, both horror movies. Uh, very different in vain, but both horror movies. And uh, their scores are pretty important to the mood that they uh, elicit. Giacchino continues his great work from the first Incredibles movie with some more great music in the second and in the sequel. Uh, I think the first movie had a slightly better score, but Incredibles 2 has a great score as well. Uh, Black Panther, the music in Black Panther, the sounds, the the uh, just the way everything kind of comes together, like, it, it, Gordonson's score is fantastic and really elevates things and gives you that sort of I don't know, it's it's a little indigenous and mixed with, you know, the scenes uh, outside of Wakanda that, that sort of give you this added sense of exploration in the world. I think Gorenson really captures all that. And finally, Sylvester for Ready Player One. The first time I watched it, I wasn't super into the score. I didn't really pay attention to it. I wasn't really focused on it. The second time, I was really listening for it, and it really paid off. Uh, the music in the movie is brilliant. Uh, you know, you get all these different uh, textures and layers, and because the movie takes so much place in virtual reality, you have so many different arenas and, and environments to play with, and Sylvester is able to kind of jump from one to the next quite easily, in fact. Uh, so I was really impressed by that, especially on the rewatch. Moving on to best original song, you have Ashes from Deadpool 2, Everything Must Go from Hearts Beat Loud, Hearts Beat Loud from Hearts Beat Loud, Pray For Me from Black Panther, and Theme Song from Incredibles 2. Uh, Hearts Beat Loud currently uh, has two nominations in this category. Uh, both songs uh, performed in the movie by uh, Kiersey Clemens, uh, and Ron Swanson, whose real name I forget. Uh, they are both really good songs, um, very catchy in some instances, but also emotional and, and powerful in others. Ashes from Deadpool 2, played over the opening credits by Celine Dion, also has a fantastic music video, and I mean, it's Celine Dion, so it's her voice, and she's amazing. Uh, Pray For Me from Black Panther is good. Uh, I think... It doesn't. My problem with it, and it's not that it's a good, not a good song. I think it's a good song. My problem with it is that uh, most of um, I can't think of his name. Oh man, what is it? I'm gonna have to look it up. Black Panther. Why did I search it that way? It makes no sense. Pray for me. Kendrick Lamar. I could, I could see the K. Kendrick Lamar. I like Kendrick Lamar a lot. I think the song is good. I just don't... Unlike the rest of the songs on this list, it's not a song that really plays... I don't know. It doesn't really lend itself to the movie the same way the rest of the songs do, uh, in my opinion. And finally, theme song from Incredibles 2, which is um, 
it's kind of a conglomerate of the themes for Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and Frozone. And it's just good. It's fun. It, it really harkens back to the era that Incredibles takes place in, you know, decades ago. And it fits that so well. And it comes into play with the movie very cohesively. So I, I was really a big fan of that song. Best screenplay currently nominated are Brad Bird for Incredibles 2, Diablo Cody for Tully, Jennifer Fox for The Tale, Deborah Granick and Anne Russellini for Leave No Trace, and Bart Layton for American Animals. Uh, so we get to see two, two new movies mentioned in this category, Tully and Leave No Trace. Tully, uh, written by Diablo Cody, uh, is... Uh, it, it just... It's a, it's a movie with a... Like, the screenplay lends itself to being so straightforward. And, you know, it's it's not a movie that's going to build itself up for a reveal. It's a movie that just kind of expresses things as they are and straightforwardly. And I think Cody has a great knack for, for pulling that sort of thing off. Uh, Granick and Rossellini, who wrote Leave No Trace, um, the, the characters they wrote are real uh i I believe based on a true story and they feel real and the writing and the dialogue is fantastic you know this these are characters which i think i said in my review on letterboxd don't sacrifice who they are to get us to a happy ending you know we get to the ending we deserve from that movie and the characters take us there as they are supposed to uh, Bart Layton and for for American Animals, I mentioned the editing, uh, and I think that that is goes hand in hand with his with Bart Layton's screenplay. Uh, Layton also the director of the film, and uh, you have like I think because he wrote and directed the film, I think that that ultimately lends itself to showing that he had this plan from the beginning. He wrote in. Uh, the way things were edited, he wrote in like how he was going to juxtapose the actual real-life people with the performances and the dramatization of what was happening, but also make it seem like the dramatization was the real movie and that the documentary or that aspect of things was secondary, even though it not doesn't necessarily mean it was. And I think juggling all of that, he he did it almost flawlessly. And the same could be said for Jennifer Fox with the tale. Watching that movie, it is not an easy film to write because so much of it depends on visual cues and visual elements, and I think it is written brilliantly. I think not only is the dialogue strong, but the characters are well written. Uh, Jennifer Fox, it's kind of autobiographical. I don't know how true it is to her real life, but it is very similar, and uh, that makes it a lot easier to write. And finally, Brad Bird for Incredibles 2. Um, I mentioned, you know, I keep saying this, Incredibles 2, a small step down from the first one, but still a great movie. And uh, the themes that it's playing with here are wide, maybe a touch unfocused, uh, but it is still capable of eliciting that response that the first one had. It's still ex- uh, very expressive. All of the new characters that are introduced into this movie, um, for the most part, are very well-rounded, very uh, expressive and important to the film. Uh, you also get just, you know, you get fantastic 
family drama with uh, the Incredibles themselves. And I don't know, it, it feels like a movie that's kind of a natural progression from the first uh, to me. And I, I think, I, you know, I credit Brad Bird for a lot of that from his writing and uh, otherwise. Best Supporting Performances. All right, all ten of these. Um, nominees are currently... Mackenzie Davis for Tully, Elizabeth Debicki for The Tale, Army Hammer for Sorry to Bother You, Michael B. Jordan, Black Panther, Katherine Keener, Incredibles 2, Barry Keegan, American Animals, Evan Peters, American Animals, Millicent Simmons, A Quiet Place, Alex Wolfe, Hereditary, and Letitia Wright, Black Panther. So, uh, American Animals, two nominees right now, Black Panther, two nominees right now, uh, Michael B. Jordan and Letitia Wright, both uh, scene-stealing, movie-stealing performances in Black Panther, uh, Barry Keegan and Evan Peters I I still think neither of them is the lead in this movie So, uh, but they're both fantastic uh, portraying two di- diametric opposites uh, in, in this heist movie Millicent Simmons in A Quiet Place uh, plays it's, it's fascinating because it's one thing to play a, dis- a disabled person in a movie uh, and it's an, quite different to be to have the disability that the character you're playing has. So Millicent Simmons is deaf. The character she's playing is also deaf, but that it, it's tough to to I think I feel like it would be very difficult to portray to act. I, I don't know. I don't know where if there's a disconnect between her just acting as she normally would, or how conscious she is of the fact that the character she's playing is also deaf. I think that would be a fascinating question and conversation to have. And, but like, so, you know, maybe it is just completely effortlessly to be who you are in that sense. But I also think, you know, when you get a kid acting like it's supposed to be a kid, I think they are very self-conscious about the fact that they're supposed to be like a kid. And I'm curious as to if that extends beyond just being kids, you know, if there's more to it than that. Alex Wolf in Hereditary uh, is, I, I think for my money, like he's goes toe to toe with Tony Collette in that movie. I think he's fantastic. I think he deserves as much recognition as she's getting, and it's it's a lot of a lot of fun to watch the scenes between the two of them because they are just both at the top of their games. Catherine Keener's voice acting in Incredibles two is very very strong. Um, I won't say too much about her character, but she's given enough in the movie to show different layers uh there's a great scene between her and holly hunter elastigirl uh where they just kind of talk they kind of like go pretty blunt about the message of the movie but i think the the voice acting in those scene that scene is is very very strong uh for me uh army hammer and sorry to bother you can't really talk too much about this without (laughs) spoiling that movie pretty substantially but I loved him in the movie. I thought he was one of the best parts. Um, Elizabeth Debicki in The Tale. Her performance is very understated. It's generally very solemn. I think uh, Jason Ritter is a little bit more over the top relative to Debicki, which is probably why I ended up picking Debicki for this, this slot. I think she's subtle, but... There's a lot more going on there, especially when you're watching the movie and seeing what's really happening behind the scenes. And finally, Mackenzie Davis in Tully. Uh, 
I would say comparable to Alex Wolf and Tony Collette, she and Charlize, Charlize Theron are a fantastic duo on the screen together. They have brilliant chemistry. Uh, you get this sort of wonder, magical, magical realism element with Mackenzie Davis that fits the movie and fits what Charlize Theron's character needs from her for throughout their experiences together. I think it, it, it really satisfies itself very well. Uh, best lead performances currently. Uh, Emily Blunt for A Quiet Place. Tony Collette for Hereditary. Laura Dern, The Tale. Ben Foster, Leave No Trace. Claire Foy, Unsane. Holly Hunter, Incredibles 2. Thomas and McKenzie, Leave No Trace. Natalie Portman, Annihilation. Lakeith Stanfield, Sorry to Bother You. And Charlize Theron, Tully. So I've mentioned a bunch of these already. I've mentioned Emily Blunt, how much I love her performance. Tony Collette, Laura Dern. Uh, Claire Foy is fantastic. Holly Hunter, the other side of Incredibles 2. She anchors this movie the way that um, Craig T. Nelson anchors the first Incredibles. Uh, he's great. She's great. Uh, Charlize Theron and Tully, I think, is a perfect, perfect kind of overworked, uh, underslept mother in that movie. Uh, so Natalie Portman in Annihilation is is very good. She is kind of a audience surrogate for a lot of the movie but she towards the second half she is able to really rev things up and and improve uh, the situation and and improve her performance to the point where she takes it over you know you are following through her for a lot of for the first half and I think in the second half she's like no 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 I'm driving now and and it, it just works so well Lakeith Stanfield I'm sorry to bother you uh fantastic performance um i supposedly donald glover was supposed to take his role uh but conflicts with filming solo provide uh prevented that from happening i don't know that this would be a better movie with donald glover in it uh but i think lakeith stanfield is great in this role i think he's fantastic and um he just he, he has this great demeanor about him that fits the plot and fits uh, the sort of incredulousness of, of what happens in this movie. Um, Thomas and McKenzie and Ben Foster are uh, the only duo nominated in the Best Lead Performance category. They're in pretty much the entire movie together of Leave No Trace, and uh, Thomas and McKenzie, incredibly young, <clears throat> but man, does she really own this movie every scene that she's in. Uh, ben Foster who looks really old. Uh, I think he looks a lot older than he is in Leave No Trace. But the beauty of it is you, know, you get to see the two, these two characters displaced from what they know and then try and get back to it. And along the way, they go through so many different environments, so many different situations, so many different uh, just um, circumstances that you get to see the entire layers of these characters from start to finish and good and bad uh, you and and like I mentioned with the screenplay like the screenplay is incredibly devoted to who these people are without ever like taking you out of them and I think the actors do a fantastic job of, of holding that together as well um, and yeah I've already kind of mentioned everyone else so let's move on best director current nominees are Ari Aster for Hereditary, Jennifer Fox, The Tale, John Krasinski, A Quiet Place, Bart Layton, American Animals, and Steven Soderbergh, Unsane. 
<clears throat> uh, Bart Layton, American Animals, uh, really ties into his writing and the film editing. Uh, you know, he... It all kind of just coheves to... Coheses... Coheses? Coheses? Coheses together. Uh, he... I don't know, he, he just, he, he has this movie at the tip of his fingers, and he is able to do pretty much anything he wants with it. Uh, he's able to mesh the two, uh, two sort of alternate storylines together when he wants to. He is able to focus on one over the other. He is able to make both of them, or either of them, seem like the more important side of the story at any point. Uh, and he does it all effortlessly, and uh, I think he's fantastic. Ari Aster from Hereditary. I mentioned Hereditary, not my favorite movie of the year, but I think it's incredibly well directed. Uh, just the the it's it's an ambitious movie. It it really tries to go places and do a lot of things, and a lot of them succeed. And as much as I dislike the final third of the movie, I think even during that sequence, those sequences, Aster is able to direct and show all of his talents and capabilities that 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 he has in in those scenes and i think uh it's it's really excited me for more of his work to come uh and i think he he showed a lot of talent in this movie uh, jennifer fox in the tale very similar to bart layton and american animals having to juggle the documentary and and narrative sides of their of this story but Beyond, but from a very different perspective than than American Animals, you know, this isn't the tale doesn't use the real people. Uh, the tale distorts reality a lot in its movie, and you know, these are conscious decisions that I'm guessing she made not just in the director's chair, but in the right screenwriter's chair as well. Uh, very difficult to separate the two. I think. Um, I think. On the opposite side, like I think Layton's American Animals is better directed than it is written, whereas I think Fox's The Tale is better written than it is directed, but at the moment both are just so strong that they have both both nominees. Um, that leads me to John Krasinski in A Quiet Place, which really came out of nowhere. Uh, you know, I've seen The Hollers, one of the other movies he's directed. It's nothing to write home about, but A Quiet Place brilliantly takes advantage of all of the conceits that it is using the sound design the characters you know he uses emily blunt brilliantly uh millicent simmons the whole cast is great uh and uh krasinski's achieved um a pre pretty fantastic horror movie <sighs> i i think it's great uh and that leaves steven soderbergh for unsane uh again i do think more people should be talking about unsane it's directed, or it's shot on an iPhone, and not that that gimmick is is worth a nomination, but it could feel like a gimmick, but it doesn't feel like a gimmick. It feels natural, it feels normal, it feels like it's adding to this movie, and it feels like it makes sense for this movie, and, you know, I gotta credit Soderbergh for that decision. I think he's, he's, I think he's a great director, and I think Unsane is a fantastic directorial effort, and I'm a big fan. That just leaves the current Best Picture nominees. So currently, uh, nominated for Best Picture are A Quiet Place, American Animals, Black Panther, Incredibles 2, and The Tale. 
so talked about all these. Um, looking at the list right now, Incredibles 2 currently leads the way in nominations with 8. A Quiet Place and Black Panther both have 7. The Tale and American Animals both with 6. Um, Hereditary has 5 nominations right now. You have a ton of movies with 3, a couple with 2, and a couple with 1 on the list at the moment. For a total of 15 movies nominated at, at this time. Uh, I believe the smallest number of movies ever nominated in a year at this point is 24, I think. Yes, and that was 2015. Uh, there were 24 movies. So uh, there's only 14 right now, or 15 right now. I expect that number to grow. I think you know there's still a lot of prestige movies to come out in the future. And uh, I think that's uh, going to change things around quite a bit. Um, looking at people who are currently nominated, who have been nominated in the past, uh, you have... Who do we got here? Um, Giacchino. This would be his third nomination. He has already won once for Inside Out. Uh, this would be Emily Blunt's third nomination as well. She has not won yet. Who else? Anybody else here? Let me see. <laughs> That might be it. Can't be it. I don't believe it. But it might be. Hmm. Natalie Portman. This would be her second nomination. She won already once for Jackie. I have to be careful because some of these are. Um, yeah, some of these. Stats are from 2013 and 2012, which I haven't done the episodes for. I'm trying to make sure I keep those separate. Um, let me see. Almost at the bottom of this list. Doo -doo -doo. <laughs> I'm going to say that that's it, though. Oh, wait. Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, this would be his second nomination. Um, he is currently also nominated for Short Term 12, which I haven't done the episode for, so not sure if he's going to win that one or not yet. Uh, but you can look at that on the circleoffilm.com. Uh, you can find that in the 2013 Circle of Film Awards page. It's there for everyone to see. And Holly Hunter, currently nominated once before for The Big Sick and supporting. So this would be her second. She did not win her previous nomination. Emily Blunt, second nomination. She was nominated for Sicario in 2015. Did not win. Uh, running down the list. Charlize Theron, this would be her second nomination after Mad Max Fury Road, for which she did not win. Um, do, 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 do. Da, da, da. Barry Keegan, this would be his second nomination. Uh, he was nominated for The Killing of a Sacred Deer, which he did not win, and that was last year. Yes, last year. So this would be back-to-back -back nominations for Keegan in Best Supporting. 
and we have reached the bottom of the list. That's it. So a lot of second-time nominees, a lot of first-time nominees uh, in this year's list so far. Uh, but we still have a lot of year left to go. Uh, plenty of plenty of big movies left to come out uh, between now and the Oscars. As I, you know, the tw- this 2018 episode of the Circle of Film Awards will come out about a week or so before the Oscars. So that that's not influencing my decision. And I like it. I'm. It took a while for the the roster and the slate to look acceptable, and I think for the last month or month and a half or so, it really has. I you know I'm not upset. There's maybe only one or two nominations on here that I really wish I could replace with something better, but for the most part, I'm I'm really pleased with with where things are at this point in the year, uh, at least from a performance and an individual achievement standpoint, if not from an overall film standpoint. So. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to to more great movies. And uh, yeah, if you haven't seen any of the things I'm talking about, uh, I really do encourage you to go see a lot of these movies. I think a lot of them are very very good. And yeah, uh, if you disagree, uh, let me know. And if there's something you're not sure, maybe I haven't seen something from this year. Uh, slightly unlikely, pretty unlikely, but not impossible. I'm happy to check it out if you if there's something you think deserves this spot deserves a spot more than something else let me know you can get in touch with me circleoffilm at gmail.com through email or on twitter at circleoffilm you can check out the website to peruse this list and any others as well as find previous episodes of the show and you can support the show circleoffilm uh, or patreon.com slash circleoffilm and support the show for as little as 8 cents a month or eight cents an episode, if you so desire. Thank you one more time for listening to today's episode. Uh, I really like kind of perusing this kind of stuff. Uh, I do it quite often, and it's fun for me. Maybe it's fun for you. Hope you enjoyed the episode. But as always, have a week. So long, farewell. I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute.